It's time for the 2 o'clock show. Featuring Matthew Clock, Tim Clock. We welcome you back to the 2 o'clock show. We thank you for tuning in once again. And before we start, we have a letter that we'd like to read from a listener in Seattle, Washington named Jim. And we got his permission first before we read this. He said, do you know that I have a new favorite podcast that I look forward to hearing whenever new episodes come out? It's called The 2 O'Clock Show. Tried getting a hold of you, but I wanted you to know that I literally laugh out loud with these shows. The only thing is that I learned not to listen to it while flying or traveling somewhere in public. Thanks to you and your podcast, I was literally laughing out loud at one point, and I'm sure that the people around me thought I was rather weird. I definitely recommend anybody who can listen to what I think is a great and funny spoof on what old-time radio used to be. So thank you, Jim, for that. And also, we just began a Facebook page today, so you can look up our Facebook page. It's the 2 o'clock show, and clock is spelled K-L-O-C-K. In case you look it up and can't find it, it starts with a K, the 2 o'clock show. And uh, you can look that up and leave comments and threats and things like that. So, on with the rest of the show. This program is brought to you in part by Wembley's Dehydrated Water. Perfect for emergency kits, camping, it's lightweight and easily portable. Just add water and stir. Perfect for when you have unexpected guests. For an extra treat, mix them and store them in the refrigerator for a cool, refreshing drink. And now it is time for... Neville Pilkington, Space Cadet. Last time, it was Take Your Kid to Work Day. Captain Biff Pilkington took his young son Neville into space. Just as they reached space, missiles from Earth were fired at their patrol ship, the Holmium. With their shields unable to withstand such damage, Captain Biff Pilkington is forced to jump to light speed a second before the missiles detonated. Unfortunately, the ship's astral nav wasn't able to chart a safe course. They were forced to jump to light speed, not knowing where they would end up or if they would arrive in one piece. I can't tell where we are, son. Nothing looks familiar. Let's check the astral nav to see where we are. Calculating. Current location, approximately 336,000 light years from last charted location. Unable to identify location. No recognizable star systems, planets, or nebulas. So we're lost? Think of it this way, son. We're exploring unknown territory. Yes, and only 336,000 light years from home. That didn't bring a toothbrush. Or extra underwear. We could send a message home, but that would take a bit longer than we have, I'm afraid. Well, at least, uh, we can explore, father, and be like the famous Cluis and Lark, who discovered the cheese farm on the far side of the moon of Palaxia. Sure, son. We'll be famous, if we can ever figure out how to get home. Astronav will always fired at us. Torpedoes? Missiles? Did they come from Earth? Missiles. From Space Navy Command Center on Earth. Unknown missile class. Collective missile detonations affected sudden acceleration to light speed, generating wormhole anomaly. Congratulations on being the first to use faster-than-light travel. We can't ask the astronaut for guidance to a planet that would be hospitable. It doesn't even know where we are, just how far we've traveled. Warning. Unidentified biological entity approaching. What's that giant thing on the monitor, father? It, it looks like an enormous whale. 
but how could it be? We're in space. Well, it's too soon to jump to light speed again, isn't it? I'm afraid so, son. The engines couldn't take it again this soon. Besides, it's a wonder we didn't fly into a star or planet last time without the astronaut to chart a safe course first. I don't think we'd be able to outrun the space whale thing. It's heading straight for us. His mouth is opening. It can swallow the whole meal mandas whole. Hang on, son. Come of Neville, Biff, and their patrol ship, the Omium. Will they be chewed to pieces? We'll find out next time on Neville Pilkington, Space Cadet. Today's episode is also brought to you by Energy's Custom Sitars. When you want to look and sound really cool, man, order a custom-made sitar from Energy's. Order one today. And now we're going to have an interview with a garden gnome. Our garden gnome that we're interviewing today is named Aster, and he consented to do an interview with us, and we'll help him up here on the counter so he'll be closer to the microphone. Right, here you go. Oh, oh thank you. And uh, let's begin. Uh, so your, your name is Aster, correct? Yes, that's my name. It means one who is looking for prey. Uh, but I go by Doug. All right there, Doug. We'll call you Doug then. I see that you're a garden gnome. Are there different kinds of gnomes? Oh, are there different kinds of gnomes? Of course there are. There's forest gnomes, dune gnomes, cave gnomes, house gnomes, farm gnomes, Siberian gnomes, hill gnomes, and like myself, garden gnomes. Gnomes are just about everywhere. I heard that there's a gnome in Alaska, too. Oh, little humor. Very little there. A lot of people would like to know, why do gnomes wear red hats? Well, there are many different hats, of course. The young wear yellow. Uh, those who stay in woodlands often wear green. In the Mediterranean, gnomes who fish and want to be seen at night wear white. Uh, those who don't wear red. Okay. Are there other beings similar to gnomes that perhaps that we don't know about or that we've heard about but might not really know if they exist or not? Well, of course. There's the more unpleasant kinds, such as the goblins and trolls and gremlins. And then there are the more kinder ones, like the fairies and the dwarves. There are very few giants left, though. There's also brownies, leprechauns, merfolk, which I'm not too surprised you haven't found, given how little of the ocean you've explored. I've heard of golems. There's also other ones such as ghouls and ogres and a few cyclops, but we usually try to stay away from those. Uh, I've heard of a handful of fawns are still around. Several aquatic beings such as uh, Nessie, I believe you call them. A couple dragons and uh, congressmen. Okay. What is the purpose of garden gnomes? Well, I don't know much about purpose, but what we... Do like to do is we tend to help control weeds and pests. We tend crops. Uh, we've helped guard buried treasure too. What do you think about the fake and ceramic gnomes that we see so often in stores and in people's gardens? Well, it was a little jarring to see them at first. We didn't realize they weren't fake. We thought something was horribly wrong. But uh, once we realized what had happened, we overall we see them as rather helpful. It makes people think we don't exist. 
Even if we are spotted on occasion, people think we're a fake garden gnome. We just freeze in place. What do you think of house gnomes and other beings that many humans refuse to believe even exist? Well, the house gnomes have it easy. They have air conditioning and heating, hot and cold water, electricity, and all the like. Plenty of food and protection. The only real hazard is pets, and it's easier for them to be seen by humans. We gnomes don't have a lot of dealings with other creatures other than animals. On occasion, we'll visit with the leprechauns. They're a mischievous lot, but not evil like they're often portrayed in some movies. Are you friends with any leprechauns, and do any live here locally? Well, sure, I have a few leprechaun friends. We get together every now and then and have a good shindig. Uh, there's my friend Liam and Seamus and Padraig. Uh, they're good friends of mine. Uh, there are probably as many leprechauns here in the States as in Ireland now. What are some of the challenges involved in being a garden gnome? Well, we garden gnomes and merfolk trolls, all the we folk as we are called, we all have the same struggles, remaining unseen by humans and finding shelter. Deforestation, pollution, technology. You humans have cameras everywhere, even in space. Cameras that see in the dark, detect heat and motion. It's getting more difficult to remain unseen. Why is it so important to remain unseen? I know most people don't see fairies and goblins and trolls and leprechauns and such. Why is it so important to remain unseen? Well, you just have to take into account human nature. If people knew we were real, we'd be hunted to the point of extinction. Your governments would exploit us and turn us into living weapons. We want to help humans, not hurt them. Hmm. This has been very informative. Do you think you could get us in contact with one of your leprechaun friends for an interview? Oh, well, I'll see what I can do. Uh, we'll leave a note in your office soon, letting you know. You've been listening to an interview with the Garden Gnome. Perhaps we'll have a discussion with an actual leprechaun soon. This program is brought to you in part by Vernon's Veggie Pops, loved by vegetarians and parents whose children won't eat their vegetables. Our vegetables are blended together and frozen into a delicious veggie frozen treat on the stick. Try our squash and tomatoes, celery and carrots, Brussels sprouts and onion, beets and corn, lettuce and radish, broccoli and cauliflower. Try one today for a cool snack. And now it's time for a public service announcement on behalf of our program director, Obadiah Perkins. There are still six available seats on the one-way trip to colonize the moon, being underwritten in part by billionaire J. Stanley Fleming. Applications are still being accepted from all around the globe. You may even volunteer someone else to go, provided you pay their fare. Once again, this one-way trip to the moon will be just a mere $350,000 per person. Send your application today to Colonize the Moon, Memphis, Ohio. It is now time for Invention of the Week. This week's inventor that we're going to interview is Eduardo Schlotz. How do you do, Mr. Schlotz? Come on in. Have a seat. Oh, thanks. It's very nice to be here. Mr. Mr. Schlotz, uh, what is your invention? Okay, you ain't gonna believe this. I took some gum and made it into a ball. It's a gumball. Uh, gumball. Hmm. Did you know that, um, I hate to tell you this, but gumballs have been around since about the 1880s. Uh, that would make you a bit old, wouldn't it? 
What? That's impossible. I just rolled my gum into a ball, saving it for later, and I discovered it tastes better after you put a candy coating on the gumball. Uh, well, these gumballs that are available now haven't already been chewed. Well, it would save time not having to chew it first. Um, oh, 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 I got another one. Uh, I did invent a disposable handkerchief made from paper. Um, I hate to tell you this, but those were already invented also. Um, they're called facial tissues. They were invented in, actually, in 1924. Well, uh, okay, I got one more, I got one more. I invented, like, this, okay, so it's like on a stick, and it's all folded up, but when you unfold it, it's like a, this like, half-dome contraption, and you can keep rain off by holding it. Uh, you mean an umbrella? Well, the parasol came from Egypt about 3,500 years ago. Uh, umbrellas were made in China in the 11th century B.C. Wow. I guess everything's made in China these days. Before we finish this week's program, our program director, Obadiah Perkins, would like for us to interview his parrot named Roscoe. Mr. Perkins claims that his parrot Roscoe is fluent in four languages. Hello, Roscoe. How are you? Lovely. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, well, let's uh, carry on with this interview. Uh, how many languages can you really speak? As many as I want. What about you? I'm just an English speaker. Um, your owner said you could speak four. Uh, that's his problem. Okay. Uh, how old are you, may I ask? I'm four. Okay. Would you mind saying something to us in another language? No. No, you wouldn't mind, or no, you're not going to? No. Okay. How long have you lived with Mr. Perkins? For too long. How did you end up living with him? I used to live in a, a pet shop, and I was going to be kicked out, and he felt sorry for me and brought me home to his house. Do I get a cracker or what? Well, I suppose it depends. Will you say anything in another language for us? No. Will you at least say thank you to our listeners for listening to the show? No, but I'll tell you a story. Okay, go ahead. I'll tell you the story of how I came to live with Mr. Perkins. I was in a, a pet shop, and I was about to be thrown out in the street. A lady walked by. He had me up by the front door, swinging on a perch, and she walked by. And I said, you're the ugliest woman I ever saw. And she got all mad and walked away. So the next day, she came back by again. I was swinging on my perch, and I said, you're the ugliest woman I ever saw. And she got all mad and came in and yelled at the store owner. And he took me in the back room and slapped me around and said, If you ever say that again, I'll break your neck. So the next day, I'm sitting out there on my swing. And she comes walking by. And she looks at me. And I said, You know. Well, it sounds like uh, maybe lifting with Mr. Perkins isn't so bad after all, judging by how that store owner treated you. He doesn't change my paper enough. His crackers always stale. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for an interview with a parrot, apparently. That was interesting. You have something on your shoulder there, too. You shouldn't have let him... I told you not to let him sit on your shoulder like that. You know, I should have done something about that the moment he opened his little beaked mouth. And now comes the outro, and we definitely know what to do right here. Yeah. Let's take the elevator. Okay. Let's push this button here and see what it does. 
the red one that says do not press? Mm-hmm. Okay. Just for fun. Well, thanks for tuning in. We're going to push this little red button in this elevator to see what it does. And we shall hopefully visit with you again next week on the 2 o'clock show. No matter what time it is, somewhere, it's 2 o'clock, maybe, or something. Okay, push the button there, neighbor. Elevator going up.